Hey, this is Joe Castiglione, and you're listening to Not Another Sox Podcast with Matt Caval, Matt LeBeau, and Jack Webster. Can you believe it? I just came to say goodbye. I'm in the corner watching you kiss Noches, amigos, and welcome to another episode of Not Another Socks Podcast. I am Jack Webster here with Matt Galvale and Matt LeBeau. Uh, fellas, we are still locked out, so uh, we got a little special episode for uh, all you guys today. Yes, we are still locked out, but uh, I think this is going to be a pretty exciting episode, um, you know, highlighting a, uh, a a great member of Red Sox Nation, a beloved member of Red Sox Nation in Don Orsillo. Uh, big tribute to him coming up this episode, going to talk about, uh, you know, his entire career here with the Red Sox and um, you know, just kind of highlighting some of the great moments, uh, you know, that he that he brought to, uh, you know, Red Sox fans for, um, you know, a number of years. So I'm definitely uh, pretty pumped for this one. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, this is <clears throat> definitely one we've been talking about for a while. Uh, glad to finally get something uh, going, get the ball rolling on the Dio episode. Obviously, he was like the voice of my childhood um, and an inspiration for so many um, people who, you know, not just followed uh, the Red Sox, but baseball in general. So very, very excited. We're going to have some some clips, uh, some of our favorite moments, dive deep into the career of Don Rosillo um, in, in Boston. So very excited. No, I mean, uh, we actually had to, you know, sit down and organize what we wanted to talk about here because there was just so many topics we probably could have gone on for hours and hours. Right. Uh, just with this episode here. So, you know, we touch upon, you know, some of the bigger memories that uh, probably a lot of you guys share with us and some of the unique ones for us. But uh, we hope to, you know, hear from you uh, guys, the listeners afterwards, share your stories. We're always down to listen to them and share them online. So, uh, yeah, I think this episode is going to be really exciting for, you know, all of us to do. It's something we've wanted to do for a little while here. And uh, we hope, you know, we can pay tribute to what who we all think is the best Red Sox announcer in, in uh, uh, the team's history. Oh, yep. exactly. For sure. For sure. Uh, he's a legend. He's the, he's the GOAT of, uh, of of Red Sox, of the, uh, you know, Red Sox broadcasting for sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess we can kind of get right into it. Um, you know, LeBeau, I think you're going to kick us off here. Yeah. Yeah. So um, starting off, obviously, Don was uh, the Red Sox announcer from... Um, to uh, 2000 to 2015, so 15 year career with the Boston Red Sox. People do forget, though, he was the Paw Sox announcer before that. So, um, you know, kind of a Rhode Island guy through and through. He really lived the dream of every kid, which is, you know, to get called up to the big club. You know, he he got the 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 big promotion, going from the Paw Sox to the Boston Red Sox. Probably one of the most coveted jobs in all of sports which is to be the play-by-play announcer for the Boston Red Sox. I mean, it just doesn't get any better than that. Um, He had a special tie to, like I said, everyone that aspired to be in baseball media or, um, you know, just a play-by-play announcer or get their foot in the door. Um, But he also, I had a special connection to him because he was actually from my hometown. So he lived in Smithfield, 
Rhode Island, which is where I grew up. Um, and yeah, I used to see him all around town. So he was like, like I said, he was a voice of my childhood. And then, you know, I would leave my house and then I would see him like, you know, whatever at a restaurant, fucking Applebee's or uh, one of my buddies worked at KFC. And he said that Don would, would come to KFC freak. Um, Huge chicken guy. Yeah. Guy loved the fucking chicken. Love, love the, the famous bowl. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, just, uh, uh, like I said, I think that when when you get into to the the business, right? Everyone's if you're <clears throat> working in the AHL or or, or AAA and you're in, uh, you're announcing, everyone dreams of 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 taking that next step to the to the big club, you know. And it's it's for him, it was a reality, which is so rare because the Red Sox could have went out and found someone from ESPN, CBS, Fox, and thrown like you know a million dollars at him, and and but instead they went with uh, Do, and he had a very um, very very good career <clears throat> i mean you're kind of saying about it like it's every kid's dream to either you know call games for the red sox or play for them really and i mean there's 25 guys that get to play for the red sox but there's only two or three guys that actually get to call the games so i mean i think you know it, it's something that so many people aspire to be and it takes such a special person to actually kind of broadcast 150 160 some odd games uh per year and i mean you know all of us grew up on don orcello he was the voice of our childhoods i didn't even really start to be able to watch nesson out of market until probably about 2007 2008 when mlb tv came a little popular so for a large section of red sox fans like growing up he he's all that we knew mm-hmm. exactly and like you mentioned, LeBeau, I mean, he started in the minors, worked his way up to Boston. Um, so like you were mentioning, too, they could have gotten, you know, he, he was really, you know, it's grit. It's really a grit, a story of grit. Uh, he worked his way up from the minor leagues. Um, you know, we, we've all worked in minor league sports. So, you know, we kind of know what that's like um, as well. But, you know, he he worked his way up from the minors, got to Boston, got to, from, you know, from McCoy Stadium all the way up to Fenway uh, in, in Boston. That's a it's a it's a great it's a great story of, you know, working his way up there. And uh, and then not only being the voice of the Red Sox, but being somebody that, you know, so being beloved and being a guy that so many people um, you know, looked up to everybody tuned in because they loved Don Arcillo. So it's one thing to, you know, call the games, but it's another thing to call the games and then be somebody that everybody in Boston loved. They love tuning into the Red Sox because of their love for the team, but also uh, for their love of Don Arcillo as well. Yeah, absolutely. I remember when uh, when Don retired and I was listening to it was at WEI when he announced that he was retiring and they played a clip on WEI of um, it was like Don's like first week, and it was Jerry Callahan calling him Don Borsillo, like just saying how how incredibly boring he was. And it was like he 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 even mentioned he was like I, I was so wrong about him because he ended up being the most exciting announcer in, in you know Red Sox history. Uh, just an unbelievably exciting announcer, uh, brought such passion and such energy with every big moment. Um, you know, really just, just an amazing career, but certainly not boring and certainly not Don Borsillo. That's for sure. 
I mean, we can name somebody else that's boring. Uh, yeah, we'll get to that later. Don't you <laughs> <Yeah>. worry. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, what a career for him. Um, so many things. I mean, you, you talk about the calls, uh, LeBeau, and, and not being a, a boring guy. I mean, you could play a million of his calls, and like they're they're always just so perfect. Um, you know, I, I don't really remember a bad call that was made by Don Orsillo. Like, it's just, he just knew what to say and what to do when, you know, big moments happened. And that was yeah. him. And, and I feel like if he ever did have, you know, maybe not his best call, he would make, he would make it funny. He would, they would have fun with it in the booth. Right. And it was, that was just kind of the nature of things. And, you know, you saw that with like so many moments, um, just throughout their uh, entire career with Jerry Remy or whoever he was with. Um, so, I mean, like, like I said, we we had to, you know, cut some of these down and actually say what we wanted to talk about or else we could just go on all day about it. I mean, sure. this could literally be like a three or four hour podcast if it, if we really wanted it yeah, to be that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, there, there's just so much to go off of that. It's 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 unbelievable. And that's the career that he had. And that's, you know, he's he's got millions and millions of things that we could have talked about. Um, but I guess we'll get uh, into some of his his uh, his bigger moments. We'll, we'll start off with the with a pretty funny one. Uh, I think it's one of everyone's favorites. It's one of definitely one of my favorites. Um, it's the uh, the pizza gate, the the throwing of the pizza. Um, I think that was back in 07 um, on Patriots Day, and um, you know what happened was uh, you know in the middle of a game there, uh, one fan uh, you know threw another uh, threw a slice of pizza at another fan, pepperoni pizza, caught him right in the back, hit him right in the jacket. He's got the sauce and the cheese splattered <laughs> on his back, and uh, you just see uh, you know Remy and Ursillo, you know Nesson's got the replay going, and they're just looking back at it, and you see the guy toss a slice of pizza, hits the other guy in the back, and Orsillo's just like, here comes the pizza. Yeah, <laughs> it's like his voice squeaking. is like squeaking. Yep. It's like. <laughs> And, and that's just, I mean, him and Remy, um, we're just having such a great time, uh, you know, with that whole interaction. There was, um, it was such a bizarre thing to see. Like I had never really seen anything like that before. Um, it was a bizarre thing to happen and, and they made it, you know, that was funny in itself what happened, but then, you know, Remy and Orsillo just going back and forth. They're like, here comes the pizza. And like just analyzing it. And then Remy was like, well, oh. that's an expensive slice of pizza. And then it's just like that whole interaction between the two of them was just unbelievable. It was such a, it was one of their funnier uh, moments, definitely in the broadcast booth. Coming to you from Rogers Center. Popped up. Left side ranging is Cabrera now coming as Anderson and interfered with no into the stands the umpire ruling Tim Timmons and one beverage wow less than they had before wow what's he got now he's got mud on him and in an alcoholic beverage I think he made a good call here as he let's see how does this happen it wasn't oh. even him oh wow it's buddy <laughs> Oh, what did the cool? Oh. <laughs> what was that that came flying in? I'm not so sure that that was a, a mistake, which on his shoulder, it looks like somebody may have yeah. thrown some stuff on him just to, to add insult to injury. I thought he rolled in the mud before he came to the yeah. game, but no, that's not correct. He got hit with some type of sub sandwich or something. Oh, he want, now he wants a piece yeah. of it. You want to throw something? There at me? we go. 
Well, he's the Pepsi fan of the game until he gets thrown out. <laughs> Strike three. Dave. And what was thrown at that gentleman? And that gentleman has been ejected, but it was an ugly, ugly sight. And I don't know why it was necessary. Now watch. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today. But here comes a pizza. See it? <laughs> oh, jeez. Highly unnecessary. Guy with the Patriots jacket, and of course he's been asked to leave the ball game for ruining a good piece of pizza. <laughs> so, <laughs> beer all over, and here comes some pizza. Uh, I wonder what. Why did he do that? Because he thought he was interfering with a play? I mean, it seemed totally unnecessary. Just now getting the pizza off him. God, he was hot for a while, but. Uh, I think the pizza thrower apologized, and uh, he seemed to cool off a little bit. But I'd be kind of ticked yeah, off I'd... myself if somebody yeah. fired a pepperoni pizza at me. <laughs> well, J.C. Romero is into the game here to pitch the eighth. It seemed unprovoked. Yeah, too. It, it really did. <laughs> Just let it fly. <laughs> <laughs> One more look in slow motion if we can. And here's the Patriot. Here it comes. Just, I'm going to throw my pizza. So the, only, the only thing, he didn't hit him with the cheese side. It hit him with sauce first. That was an awful sight here at Fenway. And that that is not tolerated in this ballpark. He has been ejected and never again allowed to buy pizza. Not so friendly. As Cabrera leads it off. I mean, think about how much it costs for a pizza pizza. Yep. I mean, would you just fire it at some guy? I, I personally would not, no. I, I wonder about the thought process, though. Well, honey, I'm going to the ball game today, and if I see some guy, I'm going to throw a piece of pizza at him. Yeah, no, I think that's honestly probably the most famous one. Like, even non-Red Sox fans know about that clip because of Don Arcello and Jerry Remy. And I love how, like, they actually break it down almost like it was something that happened during the game. Like, right. this became more important than the game at that point. Nobody cared about the score. Nobody cares about the final now. All that they care about is some random dude threw pizza at another guy and that you're going to remember it because of how funny of a moment that they made it. Yeah. And, and, and like you said, Galvao was already a funny moment, but the way they broke it down and like you said, Jack, they, it became more important than the game. And just Don's like, you know, narration of the actual pizza throw. And then Jer you got Jeremy for one, he, he can't pronounce like, well, he couldn't pronounce the A's. <laughs> yeah. So like he would say like, he would call like pizza. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, who buys a slice of pizza and then throws it at another guy? And it's just, it really was just absolutely hilarious. And and like you said, Jack, definitely the most famous uh, of the the moments. And I mean, one of the one of the most comedic uh, moments in in sports broadcast his history. I don't care what anyone says. You can absolutely yeah. make. You don't have to like sports to like that clip. Any right. human being with a sense of humor can find pleasure in that clip. Yeah. Not only based on what happened, but just the way that they enjoyed it right there in the moment. Yeah, right. sometimes if I need a good laugh, I'll just go back and watch that, even though I've seen it, you know, millions of times already. Um, and, and one of the parts I do like about that whole clip is like they're uh, Ursula and Remy are just talking and they're just like, well, what do you think this guy like said to his wife as he was leaving for the ballpark today? He's just like, yeah, honey, I'm going to buy a slice of, a slice of pizza at the uh, 
at the ballpark and I'm going to throw it at another man. <laughs> it's, like, it's hilarious. It's so, so funny. So I think he oh. was trying to throw it at uh, the left fielder for whatever team it was. And I think that dude just kind of got in the way. That's my theory. But yeah. it is so much funnier to think that he just threw it at a fan for trying to catch <laughs> a foul ball. Yeah. <laughs> also, that guy had an unreal arm, dude, to throw that pizza. Yeah, it's it was accurate. It's not very throwable. Yeah. yeah. It's like a kite. It's gonna get caught in the wind. It's gonna flail away. Especially like, on a, that was like a that was like a rainy Patriots Day game. It was like, that was yeah. It was a rainy like that Patriots April, Day. Like 50 degree weather too. It's like not it's almost like football weather, uh, but yeah. just in those early like April, sometimes even early May games there. No, oh, yeah. No, that was uh that was a, an elite, an elite throw for sure. But I mean, uh, and, and you know, the other half of it, and we had our uh, Jerry Remy episode here today, but just was, you know, the chemistry between, uh, between those two guys, it was just unmatched. Like these were actual friends. And oh, I yeah. mean, you, you see it in so many moments, but uh, one of my favorite ones was when uh, Jerry Remy's tooth fell out and Don attempted to put it back in with a pair of pliers mid-game and you know same type of thing it, this became more important than the game itself like you know you might he might have just thrown in a 2-1 fastball down the middle there and but everybody's focus was on him trying to put that tooth back in and how much fun they were having with it yeah that that clip was so it was so funny um you know when you think about it, it's just like all of a sudden mid-game like jerry remy's tooth falls out and he's got it. And then I think like Orsillo looks over and he's like, is that your tooth? Like, what? Yeah, we'll definitely play the clip here. Um, but I mean, it, it was it was hilarious because he's got his tooth and then he's like telling him like, oh, do you have like uh, like pliers and something to like just jam it in there? He's like, do you have glue or like duct tape? It's hilarious. It's hilarious. This is a first. This is a first. This is a first. Yeah. You've lost a lot of stuff during games, but you've never, I never lost, lost a tooth. A tooth. No, I just <laughs> completely lost a tooth. Which I, tooth is it? Something up front, I hope? Uh, no. I don't know. No, no, it's on the side. You can't see it? No. Can't yeah. see it at all. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. That's unbelievable. I think it's a cap. I think it's a cap is what it is. It looks like it because it's got a pointer and it's most times you got a roots. nail in it. Yeah. There's a nail in it. You shouldn't have a nail in your teeth. No, there, there it is. Wow, the tooth—it just fell right out. Can you put it back in? I'm not gonna put it back in. No. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Yeah. That's Jerry's tooth. Yeah. I don't see that every day. Yeah. This is fouled off to the right out of play. Like, can't you get something that'll, uh, you know, like glue or something? You can pop it back in there again. I don't think you can do that. I really don't. Really? Think. I'm not gonna try it. I'm not a dentist. I, now, now tomorrow's an off day. I probably got to get this taken care of, right? I, I can't see it. I don't think it's a problem unless no. it's going to bother you. Does it hurt? No. No, you're all set then. I just go with it. <laughs> you have those summer teeth. Some are there, some ain't. <laughs> Foul outside of third. I mean, what would you do? Would you keep the tooth in case Absolutely. you got to go back? Yeah, in case you decide to go back. I wouldn't waste an off day on a tooth. I wouldn't. The truck, I just wouldn't. The truck's telling me to put it under my pillow. <laughs> see what happens. Yeah, it's gonna look. See, it's got. It's got to be a, uh, the way that it looks to me. You could put that back in again. Like there's something. Try. Let's try it. See if we can get it back in. I think it should just pop back in again. I mean, the thing. It's it's a nail. No, it's not gonna go. <laughs> Baseball announcer, and I'm a dentist. 
It's not, it's not gonna, it's not gonna go in. Let me do it. I'll do it. <laughs> You're not going in my mouth. <laughs> Come on, I can do it. I can handle it. Just lay back, open your mouth. Stay over there. <laughs> I'm gonna get a hammer. <laughs> Couple tools. Pitch outside to Michael. Now I gotta get another tooth. I'm telling you, this one's fine. Don't throw this one outside the booth. What am I supposed to do? Carry it around with me? Yes, put it in your bag. It doesn't look very good. It could use some cleaning. <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> but I think you could keep that one. It's a perfectly fine tooth. You can just pop it back in, or somebody who knows what they're doing can pop it back in for you. I still want to put your tooth back in before you leave. Give it a shot. No, you're not, you're not getting near the tooth. I did keep it. Uh, I put it in a little little uh, container here I have in my pocket. So uh, everybody's telling me on Twitter that that can be fixed. So. Absolutely. In fact, I can do it. No, you're not doing it. <laughs> this one's foul. I, I, I know you have the tools I up do. top. We got a hammer. It. We got some pliers. We got a drill. What I'm going to do, I'll that. explain the procedure before I do it. I'm going to separate some of the other teeth to make room for this one to go back in. So once we have those oh, other yeah. ones stretched out, then I'm just going to bang it in. Yeah. <laughs> You'd take great pleasure in that, too, wouldn't you? No, not at all. I'm just trying to help out. Teddy's got all the tools. You got the tools? He's got the tool Fire kit. down the tools here, Ted. Let's see what we got in this bag here. Make sure they're all... Uh, oh, yeah. This is exactly what I need. you got to sanitize everything. In the air to right field, Valbuena is going to be out number two. Sanitize what? Well, no, just go with, you know, stuff that's been used. Oh, on. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, we definitely need this. And the pliers. You got a hole or two. This is it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So this, what I'm going to do, look at him. Open your mouth. There we go. There we go. Yeah, don't lose it. Okay. There don't we lose. go. All right. <laughs> Don't break it. Yeah, I'm either. not going to break it. Don't break it. Break it. I think I need something smaller. <laughs> can't get it. There we go. Okay. Open your mouth. There we go. All right. Bite down hard. Somebody give me a hammer. <laughs> it's in there. It's, it's almost in. All right. This is popped up foul off to the right. I am missing a hammer, but I do have a flashlight. That's going to help me a lot. <laughs> Okay. Hey, no, isn't it crooked? Isn't it's it's crooked? crooked? Yeah, that thing's pointing in my gum. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I need a hammer. Do we not have a hammer in this pack? What else we have? Oh, two pitches outside. Somebody's got to have a hammer because that is the only thing we're missing. You got it in crooked, though. I said, Don't worry about it. <laughs> I got some tape. Tape it. Let me tape it in. One, two, this is looking a mess. Open up. I'm going to tape it. It's great. Yeah, Don, uh, he doubled as a uh, the man of many personalities. He was a chef. He was a dentist on the show. Um, he offered Jerry a lot of advice when it came to 
um, you know, uh, wardrobe. And Jerry was able to offer him advice about how to sit in a hotel lobby for four hours and and drink coffee. Um, and that was one of the jokes that they they always uh, they always had with each other. Um, but yeah, the uh, the tooth was absolutely hilarious, absolutely hilarious. As you you now know, I mean, we play the clip. It's uh, it, it really is one of the best moments, and it's funnier to watch. You know, like you're listening to it, but definitely if you're not watching on YouTube, definitely go watch it. Um, I don't know, actually, if we can even play it on YouTube, but uh, definitely go watch it on YouTube if you haven't. Absolutely unbelievable. And I love it, too, because like Orsillo's like asking for the light. He's about to perform dental work on Jerry Remy. He was all about it. This was this yeah. was going to happen. He was he was just like focused. He was like, this is going to happen. I am going to put Jerry Remy's tooth back into his mouth uh, this, this is medical advice if somebody's tooth falls out you should put it back in immediately don't yes. seek any professional help just any friend with a pair of pliers can do it for you this that is medical yes. advice yep. yes duct tape whatever you can glue gorilla glue anything you can find yep you know just just spit on it and stick it back in right exactly exactly and i love how uh orsillo also in, in that clip that we played here um i love how he just asks him he's like uh do you have like a case to put that tooth in or then remy's just like no i'm just gonna put it in my pocket i'll just go to the dentist <laughs> tomorrow and just get that done just uh it's so funny Great yeah, that's Great absolutely. Moments. Imagine being Jerry Remy's dentist and him being like, "Oh, I lost a tooth." The guy would be like, "Well, yeah, I know. We saw on yeah. television <laughs> that yeah. you lost it, a it tooth. has a million views right here." Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, just a side note: um, this tooth, or one of my front uh, teeth here, is half fake. And what you're supposed to do if a tooth falls out, you're supposed to put it in milk because it helps preserve it more than like water, just leaving it out. So. Uh, fun tip, uh, you know, this might help out one person here, and this is what this podcast is about. That yeah. is medical advice. We are a medical. We're not really, uh, a, you know, a Red Sox or baseball podcast. This is mostly a medical podcast. It Dentistry, is. you know, medical work, whatever, whatever you have, really. Whatever you got, throw it yeah. our way. We will give you advice for it, um, and you can try and sue us if it's if it's not correct advice. Right. Please. LeBeau is is the doctor uh, of the podcast. Yes. The doctor is in. The doctor is in. Dr. LeBeau to the rescue. Yep. MD. MD, really. Yep. MD. Massive. (laughs) We know. We know. Sick brag. (laughs) (laughs) I wish. I wish. I have a baby penis. Uh, I did not see the uh, podcast getting to the, this point already. Maybe later on. We're, we're on like our third bullet. Uh, yeah, and that brings us uh, is to our next one, which is the uh, the mouse scare, which is another hilarious Don Arcillo moment. Um, because I think this was pregame. Uh, he may have been recording like a you know like a you know a hit piece right before that they were going to play later on, or uh, might have been actually right before pregame, um, where Don Arcillo is in the Nesson booth at Fenway. And they have a mouse, they have like a, it's like fake mouse that comes across and Orsillo is like, he's just like standing there. And then he's like, whoa, whoa, like, what is that? What is that? Like, he's just like, he's like, actually scared. He's like jumping up. It's like yeah. hilarious. He's like, whoa, that is a mouse. And then like yeah, him. So, and- uh, so like, you know, everybody else is in on it and you just hear Jerry Remy go <laughs> mouse. And you just see this little wind up toy, like heading towards him. Clearly not an actual mouse. 
And like, I swear, like if you watch the video, it almost looks like he's about to fall out of the Fenway booth and just mm. die. Like they kept those windows open and they were just like yeah. leaning right against it. Yeah, exactly. If you're watching <laughs> on YouTube, uh, you can see that it, he is legitimately scared of this mouse that's uh, just on the uh, counter there, which is not an appropriate reaction to just a normal mouse if you're not a 14-year-old girl, but... Yeah, he literally, like, leaped into Jerry, and he was... He literally shrieked in fear of, like you said, a mouse <laughs> that... A, a grown man should just not be that scared of a mouse. Let's no. let's be honest. But uh, there is um there is mice at Fenway, and there is rats, Um this is actually a, a fun fact uh, into this this the so well segue into this fun fact. The reason they got uh, Carlton Fisk's um, celebration where he was trying to wave the ball foul is because a rat ran by the cameraman and he got scared, so he didn't move the camera to follow the ball in left field. So he kept it on Carlton Fisk accidentally, and that's Ooh. how he got the uh, yeah. So there is mice. So Don's like probably thinking like there there are rats here. There are mice here. It's Fenway Park. This place was built in 1912. So like, you know, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> swamp. <laughs> There's swamp rats here. Yeah. Like that's very plausible for there to be a mouse there. Um, so I, I can understand him thinking it was real, but I can't understand him being that scared of it. Still, nonetheless, absolutely hilarious. No, and I mean, we, we talked about it a little bit before, but, like, that is something that can only happen between two people with, like, true chemistry between them. You can't do that with just, like, two national broadcasts or really even most local broadcasts because it just wouldn't feel the same. Yeah. It would just feel like a normal prank as opposed to something that you bring up at the Christmas party every year 15 years later. Right. You can't do that with uh, Matt Vaskirchen and A-Rod. No. No. A-Rod <laughs> is the fucking rat. <laughs> yeah. He is. Exactly. Matt, every time Matt Vaskirchen looks to his left, he does that. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's a rat. That, that's actually why they started uh, doing it remote. It wasn't because of the uh, pandemic or anything. It was just so Matt Vaskirchen would stop screaming. <laughs> and I think Dio would agree with that. Yeah. Yep, he would. Uh, now the, the job's open uh, for uh, the ESPN Sunday night gig. If uh, uh, Don, if you're listening, you should try to get it because uh, they would just make our lives better, especially for those uh, four hour long uh, Red oh Sox. Oh, my games. God. Yeah. Yep. Imagine listening. To, I, I I think people. I think people would. I, I don't know how many people. Obviously, because he's a he's a local guy, and then he went to San Diego. But like, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure everyone knows him. Obviously, he does games on TBS as well. Um, but I mean, people would love that. Those ESPN ratings would would be unbelievable if they if they got Don Orsillo there for sure. Yeah. Who who is the guy that that was? Uh, he was the Blue Jays announcer. What was his name? I know who you're talking about. I don't remember his name off the top of my head. He still does some of the non-Sunday night games. Okay. Yeah, he, he's pretty good. He's a Blue Jays guy. He's pretty good. I, I don't remember his name. Um, he's no Brian Anderson, but um, <clears throat> Brian Anderson, the absolute goat. He's best in the league right now, in my opinion. Um, anyways, uh, I know we've done a lot of like you know the funny moments. But one of the things that I definitely wanted to bring up was there's there's if there's one player that like defines Orsillo's career and that kind of they go hand in hand, it's David Ortiz. Um, the calls that he had for Ortiz, obviously, 
you know, whether it be 2000th career hit, uh, 400 career home run. He called his 500th career home run, right? Yeah. 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 That was Tampa. Yep. Um, all the milestones he was there for, but most importantly, not just the career milestones, but the walk-offs. If you go back and listen to those calls and we'll play some, um, some of those calls are absolutely electric and really like it's, it's Orsillo at his, at his peak. It's Ortiz at his peak. It's a, a, the culmination. If you're a Red Sox fan and you grew up watching the Red Sox in that time period, you maybe were born in the nineties, you know, those two guys really defined, uh, you being a Red Sox fan, Don Orsillo, David Ortiz, which also they have the same initials. So Illuminati. Yeah. 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 So yeah, the, the, it's all adding up the David Ortiz calls, but specifically the walk-offs, um, you know, just, just absolute world. Yeah. Yeah, He's got the one that will, don't, don't, don't let it happen again. Um, (laughs) uh, no, the one that you were talking about LeBeau too. And, and when I was, um, you know, watching some DL highlights, but you know, before was the one, uh, that he, it's like, oh, and he sends uh, Fenway into a frenzy. And it's like that's such an iconic, uh, it's such an iconic call. Yep. And and like we <laughs> mentioned before earlier on, I mean, he 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 just doesn't miss. And that that's Don Orsillo. His calls are some of the best uh, in in baseball history. And that's that's just one of them. Um, his calls and are it, unmatched. And it makes watching those David Ortiz career highlights or Manny Ramirez career highlights that much more enjoyable because it honestly felt like, you know, almost like a family member experiencing that same joy with you in the room. Yeah. He was, you know, especially for some of those like late season heroics and the walk-off home runs, he was just excited as the person watching or the fans in the stands. So it really did, you know, add on not only to it during the moment, but like looking back, it makes it that much more meaningful for uh, just about everybody watching. Ortiz drives it to right field. Nelson Cruz going back, going to be over his head, and it is gone! Out of the bullpen! A three-run home run for Big Poppy. The Red Sox win in spectacular fashion! Tied at two in the bottom of the ninth. The payoff pitch. Big Poppy hits it to deep right field. Big Poppy and the Red Sox walk off with the win. Sitting on hit number 1,999. Ortiz jacks it to center field back towards the wall and it's on a hop to the wall. It's hit number 2,000 for David Ortiz and it's going to score a run. Red Sox take an 11-4 lead. Big Poppy's hit 2,000 in his career. Sitting on 499 home runs. Ortiz to right field. Back goes Souza. Looking up. It is gone. David Ortiz, the newest member of the 500 club. Big Poppy, the greatest clutch hitter in Red Sox history, adds to his resume with number 500. Yeah. 
Yep. Uh, if you, I mean, had a, a dollar for every time you heard Don or Soul say, and the Red Sox walk off with a win, like that would, you know, you'd be rich like that. There were so many big walk off moments. There were so many moments uh, that he got to call and he nailed every single one of them, not just from Ortiz, but from, you know, so many different players that had walk off hits in, in big spots. Uh, the only thing that's just a shame is that. You know, with the MLB playoffs, there's obviously no regional sports networks that get to uh, have, you know, any playoff games. So you yeah. can't have Orsillo calling a Red Sox playoff game. He can still call, you know, an LDS or an LCS game, but it has to be a non-Red Sox game, which that sucks. So you don't have those 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 same moments. Um, nonetheless, though, still plenty of regular season moments from 2000 or, or 2001 to 2015 where you know, he was able to show that he is the most exciting announcer in, in baseball. It really does give you chills when you go back and, and, and listen to some of these calls that he's had. It's amazing. You know, when you, when you go back in time from, you know, way back when he first started up until 2015, when he, you know, <clears throat> when he left, um, you know, you can pick a number of calls and it, it really, it, it gives you chills. It really does. And goosebumps. I'm getting goosey. Walk down memory lane. Yep. Um, and like, and like you mentioned, Jack as well, uh, with, you know, it, it being like almost like one of your family members, like being excited, you know, when he, when he had all those Ortiz walk-offs and, um, and everything else, um, you know, that goes to show, you know, like you had said before the relationship that he really did have with a lot of these Red Sox players and, and managers, you know, uh, throughout his years as a, as a broadcaster. Yeah, no, I mean, my favorite player growing up was, uh, Dustin Pedroia and probably he had the closest relationship with Pedroia. I felt like out of any of the players where specifically Pedroia would, you know, call him out on, uh, home run calls and, you know, kind of uh, with especially with the like La Luna ones in that uh, 2000, I think it was the 2010 season where that started to come around. And it really just became part of the team, really, at that point. I mean, when you're actually, you know, interacting and not affecting the games, but, um, you know, being able to kind of be a part of the game itself as well la luna yeah um pd definitely obviously they had a very like funny uh kind of hazing relationship you know i think that that trio of like him pedroia and tito like they were all like i don't know they were basically all just carbon copies of each other in their own respective jobs like yeah terry francona was the manager form of dustin madroya dustin madroya was the player form of terry francona don yeah. orsillo was the announcer form of, <laughs> of both of those guys yeah and really like they just had a, a a long friendship and um touching on the relationship with the players and the managers in the um in in when uh, francona was managing cleveland uh, he actually flicks off Orsillo because he has the Nesson feed. I don't know if you, you can look up that clip, but he yeah. literally is like scratching his face with the, the middle finger and he's literally just flicking off Orsillo and Orsillo starts laughing on the broadcast <laughs> while Tito's just flicking him off. Like that's, I mean, you, you don't see that kind of relationship between like a manager and a play-by-play and it, guy. I mean, right. would, usually the managers hate the media guys and, and the media guys are just trying to beat down their door. And it's like, this was, it was not the case at all. They were, right. he had such a good relationship with those guys and you're never going to, I don't think you're ever going to see that again. Imagine like, you know, Alex Cora flicking off Dave O'Brien. Like you would probably yeah. actually legit he probably wants to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. We'll, we'll get to that later on. Dude. We'll, yeah. we'll save 
all that hoopla for the end. Yeah, he definitely he definitely wants to. Um, No, I mean, and not only that, it was just about every player. Uh, One of my favorite clips, which I didn't even find until uh, we started searching for it. And Don posted this on his Twitter, but he hosted a fantasy football draft for some of the players in 2008, I believe it was. And he's talking about, you know, how great it went and, you know, how much fun he had. And literally every single player was just absolutely ripping on him. Like Jonathan Papelbon, Alex Cora, um, Casey, or not Casey, or Casey Kelly, or not Casey Kelly. Why am I blanking on the name right now? Sean Casey. Yeah, Sean Casey. They're all just absolutely ripping on this dude. <laughs> and that's something that you only do with someone that, you know can kind of take it and you yeah. know laugh about it at the end of the day like you can't do that to somebody who's overly sensitive about themselves right exactly exactly um and that's just kind of what like lebo was saying is like you don't really get that with like managers and uh media guys or even players players might be even worse like i feel like players like managers don't like media guys but players probably even more um because you get a lot of those guys that just like harp on these guys and they're just like on their backs like 24 7 you know with the criticism and and all that and that's just you know something that only don orsillo could do and like you mentioned jack you know he had a great relationship with those guys and and that's why they were able to do that um but it's great. It's great. And that's a great clip as well that because those guys, those guys were giving it to him for sure. Yeah. I mean, do, do you realistically think that and I'm not saying that this was the, you know, 100 percent that it was it was Don Orsillo was the one that would have put a stop to this. But do you think David Price and Eckersley would have had the beef if Orsillo was still around? Like, I just felt like he was the glue and he kind of kept the peace. I mean, you know, like. I just don't feel like the, the there was ever really like any tense moments between the media or at least like the Nesson media right, and right. the Red Sox. Yeah, like you just I don't know. He just seemed like um, Orsillo was very pro Red Sox, very pro player, very pro manager. So he was like a Red Sox fan in the booth just calling the games. And right. um, that was shown, you know, so definitely. um yeah, you definitely I feel like don't he's kinda, get that. he he kind of strikes me as like the the voice of reason guy like like you mentioned LeBeau, like just the a glue guy tries to keep everything locker room guy just tries to keep things loose you know keep 100%. things fun um so yeah I, I don't I don't know I mean in his tenure with the Red Sox I don't think they really had beef with like any of the Nesson uh you know any of the Nesson uh you know media members at all uh, I don't at least I don't remember or if it did happen it happened behind closed yeah. doors in a respectable manner I'm sure there was probably one or two times where you know a player came up to uh, Don or Sale was like hey like I don't not even like I don't appreciate what you said about me. I don't appreciate what you said about my teammate, which is kind of what happened with that whole thing with David Price and Dennis Eckersley. It wasn't right. actually David Price who called him out. It was actually Dustin Pedroia. People forget that. Mm. Um, and then, I mean, it, and that became like a whole thing, especially right after, you know, Don left. So you, you kind of saw that immediate change after um, but you know, again, we'll, uh, get to that, uh, closer to the end. Yeah, exactly. And that, that brings us to, um, you know, talking about, you know, his calls earlier with Ortiz, you know, one of the big ones here, um, you know, was Daniel Nava in that 2013 season, um, you know, that walk-off home run against the Royals, 
um, you know, right after the marathon bombing, obviously very tense moments in Boston. Um, you know, the city was going through a lot at the time, you know, right after the marathon events and, um, you know, uh, Nava, you know, gets that walk off from run and then you just get the call. This is for you, Boston. And then it's like, that's one that definitely, when you watch it now, um, that definitely does give you chills for sure. That that's just a, a an unbelievable moment by Don Arcillo. Nava hits it in the air to right field. Frank Hoare going back. He's at the wall. Boston, this is for you. A three-run home run for Daniel Nava puts the Sox on top, four to two. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a goosebump factory for sure. Um, I, I don't actually. I, I know we wrote in walk off. I I, I do want to mention. I don't think it right. was a walk off. It, it was the eighth yeah. inning. Yeah, I, yeah, I, it was, yeah. I, I shouldn't have written walk. That's walk-off. okay. No, no, that's okay. I just wanted that's to. Right. Just, you know, just anyone, if anyone was listening, right. like we're trying to look for it and they typed in, you know, novel walk off. And, yeah. uh, but nonetheless, just such a big moment in Red Sox history in Boston history. You know, when you, when you look back on it, um, really just one of the toughest days that this region has had in, uh, many, many years, um, you know, and, and for Orsillo just to have the poise, and to kind of be bold enough to make a call like that, you know, like you don't at that point, right. If you, if, if you're in the booth, you don't want to make it like about a tragedy where people just died. So you got to toe right. a fine line, but he did it perfectly. You know, and it's not, it, it was done very, very well. Right. And I think what he did great right after that, and he tweeted about it uh, not too long ago either, but after, you know, the Boston, this is for you. He didn't say anything. He let the moment, become itself it wasn't about him it wasn't about daniel nava it was really wasn't even about the game it was about the city and everything that happened for the entire week before all that emotion david ortiz saying this is our fucking city beforehand like it was just such a perfect build-up to it really a climax of almost a movie there and then to you know have him not fumble the bag at all with it just absolutely perfect call that kind of summed up how everybody was feeling at the time and just let people enjoy it i mean that's an all-time pro broadcast job right there yeah. that's nobody's ever going to forget uh, i'm i'm really glad that you, you you brought that up specifically because orsolo and remy one of the things that made them so good was they they had such a good ability to let it breathe it's a very, it's a very popular broadcast term where you know you announce what happened but then you you let the the viewer take in what happened with the, the crowd energy the player energy and Orsolo and Remy both were very good at the the whole like let it breathe approach to announcing where Orsolo would announce what happened then there would be a pretty long pause and then Remy would come in um which was really just made the moment so much more dramatic made it so much better so much more enjoyable if you're watching at home and so that was very important i'm really glad you you brought that up no i mean it it still gives me chills to think about here and i mean not to mention what the team went on to do the rest of that season winning the championship and you know even having him uh like talk at the parade beforehand it was really you know uh he was part of that moment as much as anybody on the team or anybody in the city mm-hmm. yep yeah, but that does kind of leave us here to uh, the end of his uh, tenure at the Red Sox in 2015. I think, you know, a lot of people were kind of caught off guard with it. 
Um, but, you know, at the end of that 2015 season, uh, he had a very heartfelt uh, send off to uh, the fans watching on Nesson there. They had a small tribute to, you know, some of the moments there, like the Pizzagate and the mouse scare and everything. Uh, but he was able to, you know, collect his thoughts for a little bit, uh, you know, write them all down and express how it was to uh, ha- have the honor of being the Red Sox play by play announcer for 15 years through three championship seasons. And, you know, kind of like we were saying before, how much the city itself meant to uh, him and his family and, you know, how much love that he felt back from everybody as well. Well, my first Red Sox game at Fenway Park was June 24th, 1978. I will never forget it. And my friend Louis Tion pitched in that game and he won. And my friend Jerry Remy played in that game as well. I grew up in Madison, New Hampshire, listening to the great Ken Coleman on Red Sox radio. And I was so fortunate to sit next to Ken for his last broadcast in 1989 as his intern, as well as sit next to my friend and teacher, Joe Castiglione. 26 years later, I now broadcast my last Red Sox game. After 15 years as the voice of the Boston Red Sox and just shy of 2,000 total games, I want to thank my friend and partner Jerry Remy for 15 years. We've been through so much together on the field and off the field, and I thank you so much for being one of my very best friends. Our director and my friend Michael Naraci, who I have worked with for 17 years, dating back to the Pawtucket Red Sox, and I thank him so much for everything he has done. And our great crew at Fenway Park, who has been with me for the 15 years. To my parents, who made my 10 years of minor league work possible. They were Sillows and Nolans to all of you, from Chelsea to Melrose to Stoneham. My Kathy, my daughters, Sydney and Madison, but mostly I want to thank the fans of Red Sox Nation. I thank you for your incredible support and your loyalty. I heard all of you and never forget your words as they touch me so very deeply. Thank you for letting me into your homes, into your families for the last 15 years. Last Sunday at Fenway will be my greatest memory of my life. I can tell you that right now. Your tribute to me, I will never forget, ever. Been asked many times over the last six weeks how I would like to be remembered. And to be remembered at all is enough for me. Thank you. Exactly. I mean, you could really, I mean, in that whole tribute, you can really tell how much it meant for him to, um, you know, be with the Red Sox and, you know, for, for those 15 years um, you know, to, to be the voice of the Red Sox, you know, he was going through those memories, his relationship with Jerry Remy as well. And, you know, he was getting choked up and it, and it really shows, you know, how much it meant for him, you know, to have to hold that position, you know, as the Red Sox broadcaster, as the play by play guy, the voice of the team, um, you know, to hold that position for those number of years. Um, it meant a lot to him, and um, you know it was, it was definitely very heartfelt. And you and you could tell he, you know, it, it really really sucked for him to to have to leave like that. So, yeah, it, absolutely, it it did. It was it was obviously tough. It was obviously unexpected. Um, but the guy had a very long career, you know, a, a fifteen year career as the the voice of the Boston Red Sox, an unbelievable Hall of Fame worthy career um it's just so crazy like there are guys that will do what what don did for 45 years you know triple the amount of time and won't get the send off from players that orsillo did and that kind of goes back to just his relationship with the players they all came out of the dugout gave him a standing ovation 
you know, wave to him. He waved back. I mean, you just don't really like you don't really see that. Like, no, no. I mean, take pick pick one play by play announcer in your head, whether it's, you know, uh, um, Mike Gorman or whether it's, um, you know, anyone uh, you think of anyone, whether it's in New England or, or outside of New England. I don't really think that the, the players uh, in that organization will go out of their way to acknowledge the play by play announcer. I mean, he got like a Vin Scully level yeah. tribute, and it was so yeah. deserved. And that gives Jiggles to show the respect and the kind of guy he was. He wasn't just a great announcer, but he, uh, you know, the, the the character level. So, yeah, no, I mean, that send off was honestly really cool. It's a shame it couldn't have. Uh, his last game wasn't at Benway, where you know the uh, players could have come out and had more people realize what's going on. I'm sure you know probably most of those Cleveland fans were like. The Red Sox just lost three to one. The season's over. Why are they, you know, uh, all waving their hats, <laughs> walking out of the dugout here after, you know, three to one anticlimactic loss? Like it, and it was so appropriate. And I mean, who cares about Cleveland anyways? So uh, yeah. it, it, it was really cool to see. And I think that you could tell that's what really meant a lot to him. And, you know, I'm so surprised he didn't tear up during that you you could see jerry remy tearing up yeah like he was able to just keep his composure and i mean i can't even imagine the amount of different feelings that was just going through his mind at the time yeah and he did get he did get choked up but not never he never he never like cried but he definitely did get a little choked up and like and like you mentioned jack jerry remy definitely did and you know they, they had such a great relationship and that's you know you you saw that in that whole farewell you know video you know when you watch it on youtube and even even when you listen to it you can you can hear that um and they were they were tight they were very tight and they were close and you know it was a very a very uh definitely a touching day and a very emotional day for for the two of them and for red sox fans yeah it was and, and sorry, Jack, go ahead. You got something? Yeah, and I was going to say, in a season that was very forgettable, too, that that was honestly probably the highlight of the 2015 season. Like, I really don't remember too much about that season off the top of my head other than it was Don Orsillo's last year. Right. And really, uh, you know, I know the team was struggling, ratings were down, but the Orsillo uh, send-off was something that never should have happened. I think we all can yeah. agree, not only us three, but everyone that's, that's listened to um, maybe one inning of Red Sox baseball, whether it is recently in 2021, whether it's in 2001, whether it's in 1901, everyone can agree that Don Orsillo never should have been let go. And obviously, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff that goes on. So we don't know all of it, you know, contract situations. Maybe right. maybe he wanted to to move to the West Coast. Who who the hell knows? All I know is the Red Sox or, or, or Nesson rather should have done everything in their power to keep him uh, as the, the play by play guy for life. And no. it's very upsetting. No, and I've heard him talk about it before. He wanted to stay. They just told him that he wasn't going to come back and they never gave him an actual reason for why they were doing it. They never explained it to the fans. Nesson didn't even really have a true tribute to him at the end of the year. They handled that situation so poorly. The reason, you know, their ratings were down is because the team was just garbage in 2014 and 2015. And they probably did, you know, some focus group that suggested that, you know, <laughs> the reason why the views were down were because, you know, 
Don Orsillo wasn't focusing on another 14 to two loss from an atrocious pitching staff and, you know, a lackluster offense, but that the, he was never the problem with Nesson or the Red Sox there. Oh. It's ridiculous. And it's crazy that they just used him as a, essentially they just used him as a scapegoat and they were like, well, this is the reason and we got to get rid of him and replace him with fucking God knows who. <laughs> like, I don't even know why. Like, it's just, it was so bad. Um, that whole, that whole situation was, was terrible and it was handled poorly by Nesson and, and Nesson's kind of gone downhill since then, you know, they're, they're not really the, you know, the same as, as they were, you know, in the early two thousands and yeah, that, that whole network's just got a lot of issues. I think right now, I mean, it's, it's not what it used. It's not what it once was. Yeah. I mean, you just, you just can't, you can't have, you can't roll out, you know, Justin Masterson, Wade Miley, um, Rick Porcello, um, you know, fucking Clay Buckholz. And Clay Buckholz and Joe Kelly in the rotation, and then go ahead and blame the the play by play announcer, who is probably the best announcer in the league and a local guy, and has been there for fifteen years, and has a partner who has been there longer than him that is his best friend that will vouch for him. I mean, it's just it, the thought process is absolutely mind boggling, and not only that, but it's not like they went and they replaced him with fucking you know vin scully or um you know uh, uh, you know a legendary play-by-play announcer i mean the his replacement in in my opinion is horrible uh he is he is not the guy i want calling red sox games and it it is a shame to go from orsillo to o'brien um just brutal in my opinion brutal so dave o'brien was perfect for radio with joe castiglione and whoever their third person was there was no reason to change that either it was honestly going pretty well i enjoyed listening to some of the uh you know specifically 2013 games on the radio when i moved up here and i was even you know somewhat optimistic of you know Dave O'Brien replacing him I didn't think it was a bad pick at the time but I don't it's obviously just aged very poorly I was even willing to you know give him a few years there to kind of get his footing together and everything and he even had some great teams but I I just feel like there's never gonna really be that same connection that you know Don had uh, between him and the fans no and, and and honestly I have given Dave O'Brien a chance um 2016 if you go back on some of those calls he had he did have some really good calls um same thing with 17 and same thing with 18 uh after 2018 it seemed like after they won the world series it just seemed like he he checked out um and that his like you know he had the job he felt good about the job like he was the brand you know he felt like he didn't really have to work for it anymore the last straw it was and and this is not an anti-dave o'brien episode this isn't a this is just a a, a homage to don or but the the last straw was the the Devers home run against the Nationals yeah, this year. I mean, really, just one of the worst calls you can make in that situation. The biggest spot in you know the season, um, the fucking Finnegan's Rainbow call. Yeah. I mean, that's just. Yeah, yeah. I, I still had to look it up. Yeah, yeah. I, I I don't even know. I still don't know what that means. But like a 1960s movie or musical that. You know, literally got like a 45% on Rotten Tomatoes, so who gives it to him? <laughs> 
Yeah, it, oh. it makes absolutely no sense to me still. And, you know, I, I'm not a big uh, Dave O'Brien hater. Could be worse. Like, listen to a lot of them. They truly had terrible tandem in FP Sanchangelo and Bob Carpenter, which made games unlistenable. Dave O'Brien is at least listenable. He's, you know, cheering for the team. But, you know, it, and, you know, I look back at some of those 2018 highlights, like you were saying, and he's energetic. He has some actually really good calls on there. And, I mean, you just didn't see that in 19 didn't see that at all in 2020 and it almost seems like he forgot how to do it in 2021 when the team is actually good again right it'd be one of those things like maybe like LeBeau like you said maybe he just got comfortable and he was just like okay it's me you know there there really isn't anyone else in the pipeline I guess to 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 take my position so this is probably just mine's you know for you know however long you know yeah there wasn't really anyone you know challenging him I guess Right. And in and, twenty and twenty, I mean, it, it's it's so hard. Um, I'm sure it's so hard as an announcer to, you know, get up for those games with no fans and uh team was absolutely dreadful. So I don't blame Dave O'Brien for, you know, being bad in twenty twenty. Right. And no no one even probably heard that Dave O'Brien was bad in twenty twenty because no one fucking watched in twenty twenty. But I do really like get on his case about twenty twenty one, where like you're it's a grinded out season there were so many emotions the covid they they went through the worst covid outbreak in in major league baseball during literally the height of the pennant race and they fought through it and they battled and uh, you know devers putting the them into the playoffs propelling them into the playoffs on the the you know the last series of the year and you gotta you just gotta come up with a better call than that like and more energy and just like that just fucking pisses me off so much. So I, I did pull it up. I pulled up uh, Finnegan's Rainbow here. It <laughs> is a 1968 musical slash fantasy, which is two hours and 21 minutes, point two on IMDb and 53% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, you know, super relevant to a lot of youth watching. Uh, feisty Irishman Finnegan uh, McGlorian and his faithful daughter Sharon bearing a pot of gold stolen from an uh, a leprechaun uh, settle in a village of Rainbow Valley Mistucky and I don't even need to re- read the rest here nobody is watching this movie or has any idea what it's about no Dude, it, why do I think like that's like the most Dave O'Brien like thing to, to like to watch like that's, that's him yeah that and that's the thing it's almost like him referencing it is so like I feel like it's so pretentious it's like I like I get this reference and like you small you smooth brains don't. Like that's like no one got that reference. And if you did, you like you're in like a cult. Like fuck yeah. you, dude. Fuck you. No one gets that. You're a loser. Like, give me a goddamn break. Fucking call <laughs> like the, it call it with excitement and passion. The Venn diagram of Red Sox fans and Finnegan's Rainbow fans is almost two separate circles with one <laughs> sliver over it, and that one sliver is Dave O'Brien. He is just the only person right there in the middle between the Finnegan Rainbow fan base and the Red Sox fan base. Yeah, that's that's true, man. That's so true. It's it's two separate circles. Except they're, they're barely touching. They're like they're just like this. It's just Dave O'Brien just holding the two circles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that needs to be a meme. But but I wish it was you know still um, uh, Don Orsillo and and um, you know Jerry Remy unfortunately um, you know 
can't be with us Dude, moving forward. Imagine but, like, I mean, I feel like Don Orsillo and Eckersley and, you know, uh, we all wish Jerry Remy would have just been an unbelievable booth. I don't even care if they would win a single game all year. I would still watch just about every inning because of how entertaining that would just be every single night. Yep. You know, like, and, like, imagine if, like, D.O. was here and like or this past season where it's, like, D.O., Remy, Eckersley, and it's, like, the team that they had, like, such a fun team. We have a lot of likable players, like, you know, Kike Hernandez, you know, Alex Verdugo, you know, all those types of guys, like even, you know, Kyle Schwarber, like, you know, towards the end of the year. But, um, you know, they had s- such likable players. Like, imagine, like, adding that element or keeping that element in the broadcast booth. That would have been unbelievable. This past year would have been unreal. And, and you see it still. And I think that's the part that makes it the worst. It's not like, you know, he's out doing whatever, you know, uh, game one of the most exciting teams in baseball right now with some of the most exciting players and the everybody out in san diego absolutely loves him they love him as much oh, as yeah. we do and i i think that's honestly fair to say and i mean he's probably you know living his best life out there fishing cooking hanging out with friends uh raising yeah, don his family. Diego. i mean Don Diego. Like, you know, I'm sure Don never wanted to leave Boston, but this is like literally the second best uh, situation. Oh, yeah. And I would like I have, you know, the MLB TV. So, like, I, you know, I sometimes stay up for some of those like Padres games just to listen to D.O. And like it was it's great. It's great to listen to him still. You know, it sucks that he's not here. But, you know, even still being able to get that, um, you know, a little, uh, you know, a little taste of his, of his call still, um, you know, is great. No. And sometimes it'll get that rare, um, treat of him calling a Red Sox game on TBS like he did last year. And I had to miss that Oakland game cause I was visiting family, but literally, even though I knew the Red Sox lost, I watched the entire broadcast again, just to hear him call a Red Sox game. It's great. Um, he, yeah, yeah, there ahead. was one funny moment here. I think we all wanted to touch upon i think it's all of our favorite moments if uh uh i if i'm correct you know what i I think maybe instead of breaking it down let's just play it because it is by far the best it is the best moment there's a couple of happy couples there aren't they enjoying a summer night at fenway park whoops nick markegas strike to markegas jones then guerrero Breaking ball fouled off to the left, and it is one and two. A lot of pitches from Miller through the first two innings, 43 total. Late swing fouled off. I think it's time to go down to Ivy. <laughs> this used to be a family show. <laughs> It's a, it's an it's an unreal moment though. I love it. It it by it absolutely is by far the funniest. Um just them wheezing and not being able to speak. It is it's it's absolutely unbelievable. It's kind of like the no, same it, thing like going back to the Pizzagate, where it's just like it was another one of those moments where it was like funny in itself and then they just made it even better. Yep. I feel like the biggest difference between that and the Pizzagate is, you know, the Pizzagate, you can laugh openly about, you can break it down and everything, but you can't replay that titty grab. (laughs) 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 You you, you can't can't. replay that. It's so true. Like, it is only 
in the minds and uh, of people and, uh, you know, on YouTube about just how funny a moment that was and how unbelievably unforgettable it was. Which which if they if they could talk about it and they could break it down, I think that would have maybe stopped them from like wheezing so much where like if they could just just talk about it. But they were trying not to laugh because they didn't want to acknowledge to the to the to the the viewers like what they saw and talk about it. But you also you can't talk about it. You can't be like, oh, then there he goes grabbing the boob like. (laughs) It, it is just it, it is like it's one of the funniest moments in television history i don't care what anyone says you watch that and like i'm in full tears like crying when i watch that Mark Akis. No, and it's <laughs> yeah, literally Mark their Akis. fingers just on the cough button they, like the only time they take it off is like do one fastball down the middle <laughs> dude and then like right when it happened like first like it happened, then they went back to the play, and they just, like, paused for a while. Like, they yep. didn't say anything. <laughs> they were, yeah. like, comp- trying to compose themselves. I only wish we could have seen their faces, because I'm sure both of them were beat right. <laughs> yep. Trying not to laugh like that, it only makes you laugh even harder. Yeah. It makes that moment so much more rememberable, and I... <laughs> It's just great. I mean, um, and you can tell Don trying to get back to normal. He's like, and uh, he felt <laughs> that one off. And then just another 30 seconds of silence. Like he used all of his energy just to compose himself for like two seconds of talking. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And he and he is such a pro, too. He's, he's a professional. So like he's still trying to call the game, but he simply just couldn't. And, and that it, it's like he just he just couldn't literally couldn't. <laughs> i mean it i and you know kind of going back to it like imagine how that would go down with like dave o'brien because i you know you wouldn't really get a reaction at all they wouldn't talk about it at all obviously except for maybe Eck. my Eck might talk about it oh he would love that (laughs) he'd love that you would say like, whoa, whoa. Like, this is a family show. Yeah. Uh, but Dave O'Brien is is Ned Flanders. He's, yeah. No, like he would be appalled by it. He would not think it's funny in the moment. He would be like, how dare somebody grab a boob yeah. during my broadcast? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Love that. But uh, um, yeah, that, that, you know, covers all the things that we wanted to talk about. We have, you know, some final thoughts from all of us here. Uh, we got some, uh, you know, people writing into our Twitter about some of their thoughts. So uh, I guess just open it up a little bit. Is there anything, you know, uh, maybe we don't even have to go to a full discussion about that, like that you guys just kind of remember. Um, I think we were we were talking about this, Jack, earlier. Um, you know, right at the end of work there. Um, the the one the one moment that I really that I did love as well was um, I, I did like the trio of uh, Remy Orsillo and Gary Streisky. Um, you know, as a sideline reporter, I thought they were great together. I lo- love Gary Streisky, big big Streisky guy. But I did love the um, I, I did love the moment that uh, you know he was dressed up I think in a tuxedo and like he was looking for this um, bachelorette party, and then he's like talking to Don or like there Don Orsillo and Remy are talking to him and he's like in like right field I think and he's, he's like trying to find and then he's trying to find this party and Remy's like oh are you looking for uh, what is that bachelor party and he's like 
no, I'm looking for a bachelorette party. And Don Orsillo and Remy are like, oh, Gary, there you go. Like, uh, that, that was that was funny. But just to touch on Orsillo, obviously, we've, we've touched upon it. What what a legendary career in Boston. Still going in, in San Diego as well. Um, you know, couldn't ask for, for a better broadcaster for those 15 years. And uh, uh, obviously, it sucks that he left. But, you know, there's a lot of memories. I mean, like I said, this this could have gone on for like three or four hours um, with with everything that, you know, he did in those 15 years. So shout out to Dio and, uh, you know, open invite on the pod. For sure. Yes. Actually, no, I really do hope that uh, Don Orsillo at least listened to part of this episode here. And even if he didn't, uh, we hope that, you know, uh, really meant a lot to some of you guys here. Uh, we actually got a very nice um, uh, full uh, Apple Notes, apo- or not apology, I'm almost used to saying that, but Apple Notes <laughs> yeah. from uh, Bryn here at uh, BVC Baseball. Uh, and this is what they had to say about uh, what Don Orsillo means to them. Um, I discovered him on YouTube while I was searching for sports announcers laughing back in 2018. The high-pitched voice while trying to call the game uh, made me become an instant fan of his. I was bummed that he wasn't working at Nesson anymore, but was relieved and ecstatic that he still announces games for another baseball team. In January 2019, I was hospitalized because of a panic attack that made me want to freeze to death on a uh, bark, uh, park bench. Watching umpire eject, uh, ejecting players and managers for arguing calls helped me sleep that night after eight hours in the hospital. So basically wanted to, uh, wanting to see who will get ejected in the 2019 season made me want to live another day. Okay, back to the main topic. So I started watching Padres games that season and uh, record every time Don laughs hysterically so I can watch them when I'm having a bad day. In 2020, during a social hour, my comment made it on a show, which was really cool. But in March 2021, he liked one of my replies to his tweet for the first time. Uh, That was amazing. It became uh, twice to a whopping 15 times by that December. That really means a lot uh, to me because having someone... Uh, you look up to notice you is really special and it shows that they care about uh, their fans on Christmas Day. I got two Padres t-shirts that were custom made from fanatics with our uh, name and number uh, 16 on the back and Padre socks. I decided to take a photo of the Padres merchandise and post it on Twitter, Twitter telling Don that Christmas was success to my surprise. He quote retweeted me. It made my life. I can't describe how happy I was when I got that notification. I'm hoping that I'll get to meet him one day and get to tell him in person how much he means to me because he means so much to me that uh, I gave my cat the middle name Orsillo after him. So nice. that was very touching right there. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, unbelievable. It gave me chills reading it. So yeah. I really appreciate you uh, sharing that with us. That, what it's all that about. Is, um, yeah, that, that is that is uh, unbelievable. Um, that is, The magnitude of that is just absolutely awesome. And that it really is, like you said, what it's all about. Uh, and I think, you know, we've all kind of been there uh, with, with with that note, maybe a little like that was more on the extreme, but we all use it as as an escape, you know, like baseball and and announcing and, and everything that that we follow about the game is all used as an escape. And um, when you have something as enjoyable as what he was able to bring us for, you know, 15 plus years and still doing that for people on the West Coast, um, that is something that needs to be talked about. It deserves whole episodes of podcasts. It deserves tributes. Uh, it deserves Hall of Fame, you know, in, inductions. 
um he is a legend and you know like i said we'd love to have dio on the show um anytime no i mean um we've said it probably half a dozen times we could go all day about this uh just about you know some of the memories that we've had with them but um that definitely you know if you're listening to us send us a reply on twitter or instagram about you know what he meant to you maybe a specific story kind of like that maybe a time he interacted with you online and we would love to hear it we might share it you know future episode here it's not like we're not going to talk about don or solo again uh especially during this you know kind of weird lockout here so um uh, we want you know just thank you guys for listening and you know want to continue to you know uh, provide some content out there for sure exactly yeah. yeah thank you thank you for uh you know thank you for retweeting liking sharing all that good stuff uh we appreciate it the followers are still coming in which is great um as well so we look forward to continuing this like jack said um you know, and, and look forward to a, to a big uh, 2022 season as well. Yeah, and we'll have, you know, more fun things in the off season here. Right. There's, there's nothing going on, so we'll, we'll no. have fun with it. We're, I think this was a big one on our checklist, though. Oh, exactly. Yeah. That'll be exactly. good to get this one out of the way. Matt, you got a lot of editing ahead, so. Yeah. Um, a lot of Red Bull uh, in my future. A lot of Red Bull, yep. And, and a lot this of Mountain View. Yeah, yeah actually, Mountain, Mountain, Dew. Mountain Dew. This Sorry. is medical Sorry. advice, again. Yes. I'm looking forward to it, but uh, I think it's time for me to get to work here. You bet. Yeah. I agree. All right. Uh, that's what, this was a pleasure, gentlemen. Yes. Uh, enjoy exactly. your evening. You bet. Peace. Peace. Yeah.